May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. On the way to the Jersey Shore a few weeks ago, after dropping a friend off near Princeton, I found myself driving sort of through part of Trenton. Trenton, as you may know, is a city with many challenges. At a red light near the downtown office complex, a young man with a cardboard sign was walking in the median, a situation many of you have encountered, no doubt. I didn't have any cash on me, and as he walked between the three rows of cars, no one, including me, gave him anything or even engaged with them. Y'all don't see me. You just don't see me, he said, with exasperation loud enough for me to hear through my closed car. He was right. I looked straight ahead, hoping the light would change quickly, and I felt embarrassed and ashamed and impatient. I didn't see a young man with a name, with a life, and his own story and experience. I have no idea what his situation actually was, but he looked through my car window, hoping for a look back, an acknowledgement of humanity, and yes, for some money. In that moment, the chasm, the divide that was my car window was not crossed. It could have been. I could have looked him in the eye. I could have given him something. If only an authentic smile of acknowledgement of our shared humanity. I could have crossed the divide. But I didn't. This week, a 16-year-old climate advocate spoke before the United Nations. Her words were challenging on behalf of her generation and really on behalf of all of us. She pleaded with world leaders to act and to commit to policy to address climate change. Some heard her plea and others dismissed her passion and the very thick reports from the scientists. You just don't see me. That may be the voice of our great-great-grandchildren. My friends, a great divide is growing between us and those who will come after us. In today's gospel, Jesus tells a parable about human divisions, one that makes us squirm. An unnamed rich man, well-fed and dressed in finery, is blind to, or perhaps chooses to simply ignore the homeless and ill man, Lazarus, who sleeps just outside his house. Lazarus is hungry, hoping for some leftovers from the rich man's table. And we can picture the daily scene. The rich man leaving by the back door to avoid seeing Lazarus. Or perhaps 
leaving by the front door, stepping over him, annoyed, looking straight ahead, or speaking importantly on his cell phone as he gets into his car. You just don't see me, Lazarus sighs. I wish that guy would go away. He smells bad, and I don't like him out in front of my lovely house, the rich man mutters. A divide that isn't crossed. It could have been. Let me drive you to the clinic so you can get some medical attention, and we'll stop for a sandwich on the way. I'm Harvey, by the way. What's your name? But that didn't happen. Then, as is the way of human creatures, they both die. Lazarus and the rich man on the same day. Lazarus is welcomed into eternity by Abraham, the great father of the faith. And the rich man is welcomed into great torment. He can see Lazarus and Abraham, but he cannot bridge the divide between them. We are told the great chasm is fixed at that point. It's too late for soothing water, too late to make amends, too late to finally get it. Is it ever too late? As Christians, we believe our sins are forgiven because Jesus died for our sins, for the sins of the whole world. So what do we do with this parable which suggests that there is a point at which it is too late to be saved? Abraham tells the rich man that the chasm between them is fixed. There is no way to bridge the gap. To cross the divide after death. I don't believe that there is a point in our lives where there is no more forgiveness. In fact, I know there's always forgiveness. But I do think Jesus is suggesting in this story that the chasms we face in our relationships with one another, the divisions we experience, the separations we create here and now while we are alive can be healed and we must not wait. While the parable depicts a scene after death, my friend Drew argues that this story is about the respect of the living for the living. He continues, the prophet spoke to Israel about justice about respect for the poor and the weak. The rich man in this story had no excuse. His lack of compassion was his own. Yet somehow he behaved as if the circumstances were forced on him. Let Lazarus bring me water, he says. Even down there after death, he's looking for somebody to serve him. Send Lazarus to warn my brothers. As if some special personal warning would guide them. As if their only problem was a lack of information. Drew says the rich man's life was impoverished because he lacked compassion and mercy. 
the basic building blocks of an abundant spiritual life. The writer in the letter to Timothy calls it the real life, the real life. So the parable tells us clearly that we must see one another as people, equal and valuable in God's eyes, that we are all in this life together. That's why the climate stuff matters so much. And we must cultivate and nurture our compassion for others, as that is the path to a true life for ourselves, both here and now, and in the afterlife. So, who in your life do you need to see, really see, your spouse, your child, a person at school who is being bullied, a co-worker struggling with addiction, someone who is hungry or homeless, a Muslim neighbor, an elderly relative struggling with health issues, a friend with a different political perspective, a person who is grieving, someone seeking refuge for their children from violence or hunger. Who do we walk by as we leave our homes, our offices, and this church? Who is saying with their words or their needs, y'all don't see me. You just don't see me. Jesus is telling us that the right posture to have as a person of faith and compassion is to ask, what is your name? Tell me your story. To say to ourselves each morning, I know I cannot do it all. But I am committed to being compassionate in a world that often forgets or ignores what compassion looks like. This is the invitation, and I would say the command, of the story. And the truth is, is that this is hard for us, for a whole lot of reasons. We have different positions on social issues. We may not be confident that we can even articulate why we feel the way we feel about certain matters. We may know in our heart of hearts that we are like the rich man. We really do everything we can to protect what we believe we are entitled to. We worry that others are judging us. That if we are really ourselves vulnerable and honest, we may not be understood or accepted. Even right here, even at our own coffee hour, there are people who may not feel seen, known, welcomed. Maybe it's you. Sometimes it's me. In the busyness of our life together and all the good we try to do, I think we forget to breathe, to listen to the person right in front of us. 
It's a problem for a church that prides itself on all we do, on our traditions, on our reputation. It makes me wonder that perhaps we need a season of doing less, listening more, expecting not that the cool water might be brought to us by someone else, or even that we will be warned, notified, communicated with in a particular way. But that we may be open to learning from others, to expanding our view of the world by hearing different perspectives. Last week, young people here on Trinity's new Creation Care Committee worked with the Coffee Hour team to have all of us use real mugs instead of disposable cups. The teens learned how to use the sanitizer in the kitchen and helped with the cleanup. A small thing, maybe, but perhaps a true life moment. The young people in our parish inviting us to see their concern for our planet. To see them as agents of change in the world and invite us to join them. Change is hard, but our faith teaches us that change is life. From the death of old ways of doing things comes new life. In our green coffee hour, we have the chance to meet, to see, to listen to those in our community who long for hope. Long for hope for our planet. Long for hope for the future of our church. Hi. What's your name? It's an invitation for each one of us. It's the baby step. The beginning of the future of our life together. The beginning of the hope for a community of faith that lives and thrives. Let this be a season of seeing one another, of talking together about what really matters, with compassion for different perspectives, with curiosity and faith that we are all together, the body of Christ, each with different gifts on offer, right here, right now. And that God is equipping us, is equipping us for this time. And this is how God does this. Jesus died and rose from the dead so that we might live without fear. If we truly know this, if we believe it in our deepest place inside ourselves that death has been overcome and that love wins that love wins my friends then we are free free in the way God intends free to see one another without fear free to try new things to live in hope and curiosity about what comes next 
free to be people of compassion, people who risk for the sake of the gospel. We are baptized into Christ's death and into new life with him so that we are free to heal divisions, to cross chasms, to break down barriers. We come to the table each week symbolizing this as one body, eating the bread and drinking the wine, trying to become more like Christ, living our lives without fear. At the end of the story, the reality of the situation sinks in for the rich man. He's not getting the water. He does have a little bit of compassion for his brothers. Abraham, send Lazarus back to warn them. Abraham says, no. They have Moses and the prophets. It's all right here. They should listen. No, Father, he begs. If someone goes to them from the dead, then they will repent. Then they will listen. Really? We know. We know that someone has risen from the dead. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the perfect offering for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Do we believe it? This is the good news, the news for life, news that brings forgiveness and challenge. It is the news that proclaims that the divisions, the chasms can be bridged, for he is risen and gives us life and gives us love. May we use our new life and all this love to fill in the empty places that divide us. Perhaps even to lay our bodies down across the chasms so that we are bridges. To stretch out our arms so far that it hurts to one another, reaching in ways that are not always comfortable. May we use this love and this freedom and this truth. And may we not rest until we see clearly every child of God. Amen.